So now let's talk about Jesus. Um, <laughs> thanks for putting that together. Let me open this in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for these guys. Great for the opportunity just to hang out with them. Thanks for Jerry joining us this morning. Uh, and uh, Father, we just want to honor you and glorify you in all that we do as we spend the next few minutes uh, looking at your plan for every man. Uh, God, I, I just pray that we would see uh, this in your word. Um, and let your word embed itself in our hearts and our lives so that we can be better men, uh, better husbands, better fathers, better sons, um, and just um, uh, better believers uh, that know how to influence and impact uh, others for the faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. All right. Uh, last week we began. Uh, we started talking about uh, God's plan for every man, and then this is the second idea: is, is that um, every man needs a church family. Uh, we all need a church family, you know, and and it kind of goes against our our culture. If you were not here last week and you've gotten the new insert, uh, we've already got the answers there for you. Uh, God didn't put us on this earth uh, to live a self centered life. God didn't put us on this earth to live a self-centered life. And we looked at that last week. Uh, Then we started talking about the five benefits of a church family. Uh, A church helps me center uh, my life around God. Uh, How do do you know if your life's centered around God? Focusing on um, God means worship becomes a priority in my life. Focusing on God uh, means spending time with God's people. And focusing on God causes me to stop worrying. Once I focus on God, I can give the other stuff away. The second thing we looked at last week is that a church helps me uh, uh, connect with other believers. They get connected with other believers. God didn't create us uh, to live isolated and insulated lives, but oftentimes as men we do. And uh, what's interesting, even in that, and I didn't say this last week, but I had it in my notes, uh, sometimes even though men don't necessarily live an isolated or insulated life um, in general, we oftentimes do spiritually. Because we go hang out with the guys, and we go hang out with our friends, and we'll go, you know, we'll go play golf, and we'll go play this, and we'll do this, and we'll talk about anything and everything. We'll talk even about politics, but we won't talk about our faith. And so that's part of why we need to be connected with a church and a men's group is so we don't live an isolated life, an insulated life with our faith, that we understand the whole idea of... Um, of uh, uh, of iron sharpening iron and encouraging each other. Uh, connection with other believers is called fellowship. We looked at last week. How do I get get connected with God's family? We settled and we ended last week by saying you got to get saved and then you get baptized and you belong to a church. It's it, it's it's believing and then belonging, believing and then belonging. And, and I talked last week. This is where I kind of ended and said, listen, those that um, guys that live really isolated, insulated lives. Um, have a much higher mortality rate, and we ended with that last week. And I read the studies uh, that, uh, and I closed with this idea that that simply means if you stop coming to Bible study, you're going to die. And uh, it's always good to be left with a positive word by your pastor. Just hey, go charge the world. And Doug followed it up. He sent me an email. Doug Doug sends me emails, and he goes, Pastor, you know what? You may be right that if you stop coming to Bible study, you die. But he says the reverse of that is also true. If you die, you will stop coming to Bible study. So, in other words, what I'm telling you is you're not getting out of this class alive. All right? So, either way, you're not getting out of here. Huh? Yeah, Doug the philosopher. He, he, so, uh, but that was, that was funny. Yeah, one for Doug. All right. All right, so let's move on and let's uh, go on to the next one. Here's number three. Why every man needs a church family. A church helps me cultivate spiritual maturity. 
Uh, so if you want to write that in, a, a church helps me cultivate my spiritual maturity. Um, God doesn't want us to remain spiritual babies. Uh, when, when we had a child, woke up this morning, uh, uh, if you were here over the weekend, you heard me talk about Caleb and Ashley. Uh, she went into labor, and it ended up being one of those labors that you, you go through labor for a while, and finally the labor stops, and they kind of send you home. And uh, they went back in last night, and so we all kind of uh, woke up in the middle of the night to, to text messages that said, we have the baby. And uh, they named the baby Deacon, and he's a little boy, and so um, I thought, what a great name. And Caleb's going to be a pastor. He's going to have a deacon for a son. They're going to have a church split right there, right there in the family. Um, and so anyway, but God didn't create us to be spiritual babies. Uh, one of the first things they're going to start doing with that baby, uh, right, is they're going to they're weigh it. They're going to measure it. Then they're going to start feeding it. And then guess what? They're going to go back in. And what are they going to do? They're going to weigh it, and they're going to feed it. And then they're going to take it home. And then they're going to take it back in. And they're going to weigh it. And they're going to feed it. And they're going to weigh it. And they're going to feed it. And they're going to weigh it. And they're going to feed it. All the while, what are they doing? They're wanting to make sure that baby grows, right? And, and, and if, if the baby's not growing at the appropriate pace, they're going to say there's something abnormal. There's something not right with that baby. Does that make sense? I'll submit to you that when we talk about Jesus says, you marvel not, you must be born again, that we become babes in Christ. What should a baby do? Grow. And uh, if the baby doesn't grow, the parents get concerned, right? Right. And, and I'll, just, I'll just submit to you as we think about this, uh, a church helps me gr- grow spiritually and cultivate, cultivates my spiritual maturity, that God's concerned when we are not growing. God's concerned when we are not growing. If we are truly his child, God is concerned when we aren't growing. And, and we need to be concerned when we're not growing. And then also, just like with an earthly family, There should be, and this is why every man needs to be in a church family and in a body of believers, there ought to be others around me that are concerned about me when I am not growing. Does that make sense? So not only does God worry about me when I don't grow, uh, there should be others around me, and that's what the church family is all about. There should be others, and, and the truth is we all have a tendency to venture away. We have a tendency to head off in the wrong direction, uh, to, to make uh, unwise decisions. We all have a tendency to be lazy, right? Uh, you know, you, if, if you've got kids, you have a tendency to be lazy, and we need somebody who cares enough to really from time to time say, hey, get off your spiritual tuchus, you know, and, and begin to move, begin to grow, begin to study, begin to nourish yourself on uh, God's, uh, God's Word. God's goal for you, and this isn't in your notes, but you might want to just write this down. If you want to know God's goal for you, simply stated, is that spiritually we would grow up. Is that we would spiritually just grow up. Isn't that our, that our goal for our kids? I mean, I've got four kids. I've got two of them in college, a, a third one about to head off to college. You know, I want them to grow up. And, and, and guess what? I've got, I've got them that are all different. So far, my, uh, my, uh, my daughter who's a junior at, uh, uh, at, at OU, she's known for a long time. She wants to be a chemical engineer. 
and she's doing an internship for the second year with TI here at the main campus. And, and she's going to be one of those that just goes and plows in. She's a studying machine. She's at the top of her class. She's going to go plow into some company and just work. And that's who she is. My son, who's at Arkansas, I think he's majoring in fishing and lacrosse. And uh, I have no idea what Jace is going to do. He's going to get a business communications degree. He's going to be successful because he does work hard. Uh, he's just not a big fan of school. Um, but the reality of it is that's what my one that's about to go off uh, to OU, she, her plan is she's going to enter into uh, OU in the fall as a sophomore. She wants to double major in finance and accounting, and she wants to head off in that direction. Uh, my ninth grade son, he just needs to grow up. Um, but the rally of it is they're all going, and, and I want them to be successful in whatever they do. Does that make sense? So I don't have a specific plan that this is what you look like when you grow up. And the truth is for us as believers, uh, God has spiritually gifted us differently. That, 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 that the way God has gifted you, what it looks like when you grow up in your faith, is going to be different than what it looks like someone else grows up in their faith. When I finally grew up in my faith, God's call on my life was to be a pastor. Uh, uh, Justin's ministry was was to be administrative support and discipleship, executive pastor over discipleship. And there are other guys around here. Man, your, your occupation outside your, um, uh, your spiritual growth is just what you do to put food on the table and, and, and grow God's kingdom. But the reality of it is in our spirit, we want to grow up. Now, there are certain things that look like uh, Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in love. That's part of when we know we grow up and we can overlook the differences in others and we can encourage others and we can build them up in their faith and in their walk. So uh, a church helps me grow up and cultivate spiritual maturity. Let me just read Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 11 and following. So how does that happen in a church? Here it is. You ready? It says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, to equip, listen to this, Christ, him gave, Christ himself gave those, to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's the goal. Why are there pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets to build the body of Christ up? Until we do what? Until we attain and reach unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the whole point is, why do we have pastors and teachers and those that lead us and those that train us so that we would grow up? They feed us God's Word. Love what Peter says. They long, like newborn babes, he says, long for the pure milk of the Word. And so that's what pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets do. They teach and they give because as babes in Christ, we want to soak it up so we can grow up to do what? So we can be built up to the knowledge of the Son of God. All right? As we attain knowledge of the world, and we love to do, I, I enjoy doing the, uh, uh, the news we can do, use and come in here and talk about the draft and the Rangers. Uh, the only thing they hit last night was an Astro with her fist. Uh, you know, love to talk about those things and politics and anything else. Uh, but the reality of it is the most important thing for us spiritually is to talk about God's Word. But more importantly... For y'all is not just to hear God's word, but to take it and let it embed itself in your life. And how do we do that? We attain knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then notice this. Well, why do we want to do that? So we will no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people or the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body, what's the body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Man, my number one goal for you is that you would grow spiritually. My number one goal for everyone in this room would be to grow spiritually. And the truth is, that is going to look a certain way. Now, it doesn't mean that, that if you grow spiritually, everybody's going to be an accountant. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a salesman. It doesn't mean everybody's going to... But what it is going to mean, the more we grow up spiritually, and I want you to know this is just like, just like anything else in life, that just coming to church doesn't mean you're mature. Because if you don't soak it up, and it doesn't nourish your spirit, nourish your soul, there are people that, that have been in church for a long, long time, and you, boy, just scratch a little bit under the surface, and it is worldly, worldly, anger, bitterness, wrath, all of those things. But as we grow up, those things will be removed, and Christ convicts us of those. Man, I shouldn't have blown up that way. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't say that to my wife. I, I should be different to my kids. And so the po- whole point is my number one goal for you, and that's why I teach on Sunday mornings and uh, you know Tuesday mornings and Wednesdays and whatever it else. That's why I teach all the time is so that we can all grow in God's Word and grow up. You know, how do we grow up? Notice what he says. A couple of things you can say. By knowing his Word, by trusting his wisdom, by obeying his commands, by developing character, God's character character in our lives. So here's thought number one. You ready? The Bible calls the process of maturity discipleship. Write that down. The Bible calls the process of maturity discipleship. That's what it means. Man, we, we need to get out of the habit of being perpetually mature. We need to grow up. We need to mature. Uh, too many people, uh, I think this is an old evangelist term because I remember hearing it a lot when I first ran the ministry. Uh, we got too many people in the churches that are saved and shallow. You know, saved and shallow. I, I, I don't think I've ever said that uh, from a pulpit, but I remember hearing that saved and shallow. And first I was going, what, what? But now, you know, you, you, you don't want to be that way. We don't want to be saved, but I don't want to be an infant forever. What do we want to do? We want to grow up in our faith. We want to develop our faith. Notice what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He said, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, there's what we're talking about, and to mutual affection love. Now notice this, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Now notice what that does not say. If you possess a little of each of these qualities, you're okay. That's not what it says, is it? It says if you possess these in increasing measure. What are the these that he's talking about? Y'all just start hollering them out. Look right there in the verse. Godliness. Self-control. Perseverance. What? Love. If you possess them in increasing measure, does that make sense? That, that, that I should be as a pastor more self-controlled today than I was 22 years ago. Why? Because I should be more spiritually mature than I was, than I, today than I was 22 years ago when I started out as the pastor. And um, when I surrendered the ministry. When I surrendered the ministry uh, back in August of 89, 
I was, I was saved, but I was shallow. And I had lots of things I needed to shake off my life. Now, all these years later, I still have found this. A lot of that, most of that stuff I've gotten rid of. Most of that stuff I've gotten rid of. But it usually doesn't take long. You, my, my blood can begin to boil. But I've become better at stepping back and letting the Spirit calm me down and, and call to say, don't say that. Don't say that. And, and, and the truth is, from an earthly perspective, there are times it's fun to just say it, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 I will tell you, that is the worst part of being a pastor. It's just, just, like, just like sitting there last year. Is, um, it turned out the lady that I was talking to in the appraisal office, she goes, I know who you are. I visited your church. And I'm sitting there going, crud, this is not going to go well for me. Um, especially as we got through the deal, um, and I wanted to give her the business. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there going, God. Jesus or taxes, Jesus or taxes. And I walked out of there basically going, render unto Caesar, that which is Caesar's, and I did it, and I'll probably end up doing the same thing. Um, but uh, so in, anyway, look, look at that. It says, if you possess these in increasing measure, I love this, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are ineffective or unproductive in your spiritual journey, hey, have a good day. If you are ineffective and unproductive in your spiritual journey, it's probably because you do not possess those things in increasing measure. Does that make sense? That's the only reason why you're ineffective and unproductive. The more I grow... um, in, in knowledge and goodness and self-control and my faith and uh, perseverance and godliness uh, and mutual affection and love, the more I grow in those, the more effective I'm going to be as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you want to impact those around you, including your family, let those qualities grow up in you, okay? How do we do that? We're around other brothers and sisters. And from ten, time to time, let me tell you what, that means that you go off on somebody, that a brother needs to be there to finally say, you know, that's happened about four or five times. Everybody gets a, uh, gets a pass. But it seems like every time I see you, you're launching on somebody. That's probably not the Spirit of God. That's your flesh. And those are hard things to say from time to time to people. But you can sit there and sense when, man, God is, you know, and there are times we need mutual support as well. Hey, help me navigate through this. But if it's always the flesh that explodes, you need a group of men that will come around you and say, dude, you have just lost your witness right there. Over and over. And if you do that to every, and guess what? If you keep doing that, you're going to lose your friends. And if you keep saying that to your wife, you're going to lose your family. Does that make sense? We need people around us that will hold us accountable in a loving way, in a mutual affection way that will say, that's not going to cut it. All right, so here's the thought. How can I grow spiritually? If God's plan for us is not to grow, uh, is not to stay spiritual babes, how do I grow spiritually? Um, is to go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Notice what it said. These are the new believers. Now remember, all of these new believers were just right before Acts chapter 2, and earlier in Acts chapter 2, they were unbelievers. 
All right, they were Jews who may have been religious or marginally religious. Um, some of these soon would be Gentiles. Go read the book of 1 Corinthians if you want to talk about it. Man, we walk into our faith with all of our baggage from the past. We walk in, you go look at the Corinthian church. Corinth was a church of, it was a city of excess. It was an immoral city. It was a godless city. Actually, it wasn't a godless city. They had many gods. Uh, they worshiped the god of fertility, and you can imagine what went on with that. Uh, you know, you, you know, so Paul uses the word pornea in there, getting in right, right to the Corinthians. That's where we get our English word pornography from. He says, man, all of that junk, guess what? All that baggage, once they were saved, they carried it in. And we still carry some baggage. And some of our baggage is anger or bitterness or this or that, or rage or wrath or lack of relationships. So we want to grow up in our faith. Well, how did they grow? How did they grow that first New Testament church after they became saved? Here's how you grow. Let's just read it. Acts chapter 2. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Remember we talked about this last week. How do you get involved in a church? You, you believe and then you belong and you get baptized. Believe, baptized, and belong. Those three words. Says, Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So what did they do? The apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, and to prayer. What do you do with the apostles' teaching? That's what we're doing today. We're hearing it. We're listening it. We're seeing it. Uh, we're hopefully letting it embed itself in our lives. And it says the believers were together and had everything in common. Man, they were together. They sold their property and possessions. That means they also became unselfish. They sold their properties and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, says they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart. And along, so notice the joy. Notice the study of God's word. Notice the prayer. Uh, notice the unselfish nature. Now listen, here's the outcome. Praising God, and here it is, enjoying the favor of all the people. Guess what? That favor of all the people also included unbelievers, those who are outside the church. When we act like genuine and true believers... There are going to be some of those in the non-Christian circles that will attack us for our beliefs. But they should never be able to attack us for our words and our actions. Does that make sense? They can attack us for our beliefs. They can mock us. They can call us silly. They can call us, uh, you know, uneducated. And we had a whole apologetics conference on that Saturday uh, talking about the reality that I've been sharing with you for a couple of months now that at its core, Christianity has always been based on the evidence. You know, they can attack us for all of that, but they should never be able to attack us for our attitudes and our actions. They can reject our beliefs. But notice, it says, enjoying the favor of all the people. It doesn't say all the people believed. But it does tell us that all the people looked at them and said, you know, there's something unique and positive and good about them. So, man, that, that, as you look in Acts chapter 2, obviously there was large group worship. We call that church. But there's also small groups. They met together uh, in homes, the homes, the homes. That's kind of the, the, the two legs of Christianity, man. If you're, you know, it's, it's one of those, some, sometimes there are people that hop along. You know, in Christianity, they're, they're in church, 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 and they hop, and that's fine. But they can't run. 
That's why we need to be in a small group like this so we can get a little bit more. We can look around. We can laugh. We can be encouraged with other believers. We can pray with. That's kind of the two legs of Christianity. If you want to run, big group, small group. That's the two legs of your faith. Big group and small group. Be together in a big group, worship corporately, but also met together, ate together in homes and in small groups. Here's number four. Why do I need a church as a man? Um, A church helps me give something back. A church helps me give something back. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Remember what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest no one should boast. Now look at what verse 10 says. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And then, man, we've got to understand God, God shaped us to serve him, to give something back, to serve him. God didn't put us here to consume resources and live for ourselves. God didn't put us here as believers to just consume, consume, consume. He created us to always give something back. And, and we're going to be held accountable to God someday. Notice what he says. For we are God's handiwork. That's the Greek word poema, handiwork, poema. We are God's poem. He's writing a new stanza every day. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why he created us. We're to give something back, to do good works, which God prepared for us to do uh, beforehand. So let me give you this answer. You ready? Giving back is what's called my ministry. Giving back is what's called my ministry. Your ministry and my ministry differ, but your call and my call do not. Does that make sense? You may not be the call to be the pastor of this church, but you're called to give something back. When you start giving something back whether it's in service or teaching or uh, administration or uh, generosity or whatever it is, that's called your ministry. That's called your ministry in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, For from him the whole body joined together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part, what are those last few words, does its work. All right, remember, this, this right out of Ephesians 4 just follows what I talked about earlier. God gave some as pastors, some as teachers, some as evangelists to grow the church up, right? And now he comes back and he uses the church as the idea and the analogy of the church and a believer uh, as the body. He says, for in him the whole body, the whole body, is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What happens if some part of your body stops working? Does it just, huh? The whole body suffers. That's right. And everything around that suffers. If you've been around a, a couple of years, years uh, uh, you know that a couple of years ago, I tore my bicep off of my bone, off my forearm, just rolled right up here. And, and, and they, had I left it there, guess what? That by now, after several years, the body would have pretty much absorbed that bicep, okay? They wouldn't, it wouldn't have left it there just flanging, flanging, flanging. That's kind of Texas. That's tex, Texas medical. That's from the Baylor Medical School, Keith, by the way, flanging. It, it, it would have just absorbed. But guess what? My whole arm would have suffered, right? I will guarantee you that, that there would probably by now, if you look, saw me in a short sleeve shirt, you would have saw a noticeable difference between this, this arm and that arm. 
and probably a noticeable difference in my shoulders. And, and so notice, if one thing doesn't function, the whole body begins to suffer. And, and so God has placed you in the body. Let me ask you a question. Are you doing, this isn't my question, I'm just quoting what it says, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part in God's church? Are you doing your part? If not, let's, let's start working. Let's start serving. God created. That's called giving something back is called my ministry. Now, write this down. I was never meant to do ministry alone. This is important. I was never meant to do ministry alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says, We are co-workers in God's service. We're co-workers in God's service. We're co-workers. We were never meant to, uh, to do ministry alone. I don't want you to do ministry alone. Here at church, we don't uh, want you to do ministry alone. You need to have somebody with you, man. If, if you're going to be an usher, if you're going to be a deacon, or if you're going to be a, a parking lot attendant, if you're going to work in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, whatever you're going to do, if you're going to work in the men's ministry, don't do it alone. Remember, God didn't create us to be isolated and insulated. Don't do it alone. Write this next one down. I must always remember that I will be rewarded. There is a reward to serving God. I must always remember that I will, in fact, be rewarded. Notice what uh, Paul said. I shared this on Easter Sunday morning. Therefore, he says, my my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you away from your faith. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, the truth is, your, your, your final payment's not going to come until much later. But I also believe God will bless you here for serving and giving and living and doing all of those things. Remember, God will reward us. Here's number five. Let's jump into number five. I want to finish this today. A church helps me communicate God's message. A church helps me communicate God's message. You were made for a mission. You were made to share. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, let's read it. He says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. We all thank the Lord for that, right? God did not count my sin against me. Amen. And he committed to us... What did he commit to us? Somebody hollered out loud. The message of reconciliation. So God was the ultimate reconciler. How do you do that? You don't count people's sins against them. Now, after I have been reconciled, God has committed to me the message of reconciliation. So what does that mean? I need to be sharing that message, right? I need to be sharing that message with my friends and those around me uh, that, 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 that though you're currently now apart from God, in your sinfulness, you're separated from God, the good news is this, is that God sent His Son to reconcile the world to Himself. And, and, and to be reconciled, you don't have to turn around and be perfect. I love what Scripture says, is that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us, right? God didn't wait for us all to shape up before he sent his son. Praise the Lord, right? Or his, still, his son still wouldn't be here. God didn't look down and say, okay, now they've achieved enough. 
They've, they've, they've done enough with themselves, enough good with themselves that I'm going to send my son. No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's exactly what we see. And so, man, we need to understand God has given us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Therefore, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Hey, man, we, we always as a church, corporately and individually, want to be used by God to reconcile the world to himself. Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all know I've probably uh, way, way over talked about it, the chapel, that, that one of the things we want to do with the chapel is it's going to be a building for mission, reaching the lost, as well as uh, ministry to those in the church body. And, and one of the things we were able to share with you was, was we started first before you say I do class. Remember, Bo talked about 11 couples first time, 10 of them not connected with our church, five of them, you know, not, not in the right kind of relationship even right now. So we just started our second one. I think it was five, five couples. He started a second one, five couples. Guess how many are members of our church? Zero. Man, God has given us the message of reconciliation. And sometimes it's with words. Sometimes it's with facilities. Sometimes it's with ministries. Uh, it's, you know, we, we have care ministries, divorce care, grief share, a lot of things. Uh, but God has given us the message of reconciliation. It's our job to embrace God's call on our life. We can never be stagnant, stale, or unconcerned about reaching others for Christ. We can never let that happen to us, man. So we need to understand we are ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Now, so communicating God's message is called my mission. Communicating God's message is called my mission. Communicating God's message is called my mission. Notice what Peter said. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, I'll submit to you, and this is the hard part, so I want you to listen well. I'll submit to you that a lot of us who've been in church for a long time love to live that first half of that verse. We love to live as chosen people, as the royal priesthood, as the holy nation, as God's special possession. We love that. We love that. And guess what? Every Pharisee Jesus ever jumped on felt that same way. See, the Pharisees embraced the first half of that verse. It was the second half that they didn't. They rejected Jesus, but how many of you know the Pharisees thought they were the chosen people? They were the royal priesthood, religious royal priesthood. They were a people of God's own possession. How many of you? Right? Sadly, we don't want to be, if we aren't careful, we'll live the first half of that verse real well, but not the second half. So what does the second half of the verse say? Notice what it says. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into the wonderful light. See, be sure, folks, when we are on mission, when we are sharing our faith, that when you leave here today, yes, you have a crown, you have a robe, man, you have royal slippers, but when you leave here, you're on a mission to share the light, 
to share the light, to share God's grace. All right, you ready? My mission involves both my words and my lifestyle. My mission involves my words and my lifestyle. And it's both of those. It's not just living life like a Christian. We have, to, we have to put some lip service. We have to talk. We have to share our faith. It is speaking and showing our faith. It is showing and it is speaking our faith. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's our conduct, right? Then, whether I come to you and see you uh, or only hear about you in advance, what's that? That means verbally. I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together for one faith. Conduct and words. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. That has come to you in the same way the gospel. What is the gospel shared with? In words. How did the gospel come to them? By words. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world, just as it has done among you since the day you heard it and truly understand it. How do you hear something? How do you hear the gospel? Someone is speaking. So we need to know that our gospel should be delivered not only with my actions, but also with my words. There are times that we look at people and their words say, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but their lifestyle says nothing. There are other people who their lifestyle says, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, I'm a believer, but their words say nothing. For the believer to be the way God has called us to be and for us as men, it's my lifestyle and my lips. It's my show and my tell. Does that make sense? And those two are what make the effective believer. And we need a church. We need men that will encourage us. And the truth is, some of us are more natural in sharing our faith than others. You know, people like, people like Shane and, and some others that may even be in here. Boy, it's just real natural for them to go share their faith. There are others that, boy, that's just not who I am. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a lifestyle guy. But, but it's, it's lifestyle in our lips. It's, it's both of those. And then you're ready. Here's the final thought of the day. Why every man needs a church. To be reminded that my mission field is everywhere. My mission field is everywhere. Let me say this. Your mission field as a believer is not inside the walls of this church. It's everywhere. Your mission field is not to come to church every Sunday morning and make sure everybody else does it right and does it to please you. This is not your mission field. This is where we come together to be challenged and instructed by God's Word and the way we live so that we can have those self-respect and love and mutual affection growing in an increasing manner so I won't be ineffective and unproductive outside so look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. My mission field is everywhere. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him. There's the word. Where do we spread the knowledge of Him? Everywhere. That's where that point comes. We are to share it everywhere, in our house, in our neighborhood, at the office, in work, at church, inside the walls of the church, outside the walls of the church, everywhere. What does it say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? My mission field is everywhere. Jesus said, but when you receive power, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. That's why every man needs a church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this day, guys. Uh, 
just ask, God, that you would just, just let these words challenge us and encourage us in all that we do. God, let us as men understand your plan for every man. And it involves active, faithful, growing in our walk and service in our church that we would be witnesses on mission everywhere to everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, guys, let me tell you one of the things. If you noticed a couple of weeks ago, uh, we started taping these on morning because we got a lot of guys that are travel. And so what we're going to start doing with these, we're going to start downloading them on podcasts. So if you're traveling, you will say, hey, we won't miss them. So that's kind of why we've made the change. Uh, I know some of y'all were getting really fired up. Jerry, I used to make them read all the scripture, and they always loved it when I did that. Uh, but, uh, uh, but so here's why we're doing it. We're going to start doing these and start dropping them down on a podcast. So if you happen to travel... You can download that puppy and you can say, okay, good. I didn't miss part two. I didn't miss part three. So that's what we're doing. And uh, hopefully it'll be good as it catch on. And so God bless you guys. Y'all have a great day. But don't forget, if you forget everything else, you're the aroma, aroma of Christ everywhere. Just be a good aroma, Shane, please. <laughs>